It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. It is an Articles of News episode, but it is also a hodgepodge episode. Still to come in this episode, uh, we have an epidemiologist from the University of Notre Dame. He's going to talk to us a little bit about the uh, coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic. Also, our friend Kurt Frankham from Leading Saints. He's going to stop by and talk to us about that email that came out, eh, like I guess now about two weeks ago or so. Uh, about the the future of church and what we're doing. Uh, also, we've got the twenty minute scriptorian. She's going to drop by as part of this articles of news episode. But with me right now to do actual articles of news is Annette Luthi Lyon. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Richie. Uh, it's worth checking in ever so briefly. How are you? What's new? Are you making? Uh, it? W- let's see. Well. Corona makes not tons new, but I guess the biggest thing since I was on the Articles of News last is that I have two more Best of State medals, which is exciting whoop, whoop. for my writing. Well, I mean, let's flaunt it around. What, what Best of State in, what's in, the first one? What's the second one? First one was for novel length fiction. That's for my novel, The Girl in Gray. It's a World War II historical. And the second one was for short story, and it's a, it's several that I published in 2019 that were submitted. So. And is there like a, a, it seems like there's probably a website or something that people, if they want to check out some of your writings or purchase these oh, things, yeah. that they can check it out. Yeah, AnnetteLyon.com. You can find me on all the social medias, Annette Lyon. It's L-Y-O-N, no S at the end. Like, so. Not yeah, like RAR, like she yeah, may L-Y. be. L-Y, yeah. yep. But yeah, all the, so I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, all the, all the places. Well, congratulations. So, yeah, do, do, is there a Best of State podcast? I That's a very good question. I, I, I've been focused on the arts and entertainment area as far as literature goes, but uh-huh. I should look. I imagine there'd be something at least comparable. Well, I mean, I l- let's look into it together because let's I feel it. like I don't even keep up to your company by, you know, no best, <laughs> no best of state. I have like one ancillary one for a company I used to work for, but I don't know that that really counts. So, so uh, well, you know, you're part of it. You help to happen. Sure. Right? Sure. I help. Yeah. But no, I mean, I'm not there anymore. So. I need you my own best of state. Own. Yeah. We'll make it happen. <laughs> we'll make it happen for sure. And the other big thing is I'm going to be a grandma again and still for a month. So we're hoping that with Corona, I can actually hold my granddaughter when she gets here. So Aww. we'll see. Congra- we'll see what happens. Congratulations. But yeah. Thanks. How about uh, you? Oh, uh, I mean, you know, busy cranking out episodes, teasing some uh, upcoming episodes of the Cultural Hall. I visited with Rick Turley, who was the head of public affairs for the church. Very cool. Uh, and also the in charge of like family history and the church history department or like associate director of that. He did that for like 30 years. He and I sat down and I think we're friends. He may feel differently, but I feel like <laughs> we're friends. Uh, awesome. I, I also did a uh, a whole episode, and it's the first of what will likely be a couple, about cannabis, medicinal cannabis use. Nice. Uh, and how it fits in with the word of wisdom and some stigma and culture around that. I had Excellent. the folks from Mormon Marriages uh, come and do an episode. And by come and do an episode, I mean via the Zoom. But we talked about forgiveness because we feel like that's a thing that uh, that couples and families may need during this time. So those are some yeah, of the I was upcoming say, episodes. During, yeah, when everyone's being crammed together, that's when tensions get high. And if there was problems before, then there's going to be more problems now probably. So good. Excellent. And an interesting perspective on forgiveness. Now, don't forget, if you are a Patreon subscriber, you can actually get those episodes before they release. Uh, every once in a while, I'll put a little thing out that says, who wants what episode? And then people have me email them. They're unedited, yep. but it is early access. Yep, I can add, I can vouch for that. I have seen those offers. I, so I am a Patreon subscriber. So hello, people. Yep, hello, people. 
Uh, Annette and everyone else who is a Patreon saint went to patreon.com slash the cultural hall. Uh, let's do news here. Hit it, Peter. You can't lose articles of news. And here we go. I'll let you take first and we'll just kind of go through these pretty lickety split right. because it is a full yep. episode otherwise and not too much news. Not tons. I think for me, one of the biggest things that was not directly like from Salt Lake related to churchy stuff was the ongoing bizarre case of the Daybells with uh, um, Chad Daybell and his new wife, Lori Vallow and all that craziness. Her bail was denied again for the second time this week, which was really good. Dateline had a, a follow-up episode. I believe it aired on May 1st, yep. somewhere in that ballpark. Yep. Excellent and intensely creepy. The more yeah. you learn about it, the more you're like, okay, that judge was smart to deny bail again. And this is not what we believe. Yeah. <laughs> These yeah. are, this is not doctrine. So I'm, I'm looking forward to like when we get Tammy Daybell's autopsy results and that kind of thing. But um, yeah. Uh, it's something in the news that's that's like not Corona. So I'll take well, it. And it's interesting because there's a feeling among a lot of people where they're like, she's not a member of the church. And as far as anything that I've seen, I mean, certainly the beliefs that she adheres to are not those that we adhere mm -hmm. to within the mainstream church, but that she is, in fact, a member of the church. I haven't seen anywhere that yeah. she was excommunicated or that it was, right. a, you know, not a mainstream Church of Jesus Christ and of Latter-day Saints. Yeah, that all of this stuff began when she was clearly purporting to be mainstream and Chad Daybell I, mean, I knew him when he was back in the publishing business I have friends who published with him and they really? were they're all just stunned really so yeah it's disturbing if you want but, a yeah. if you want a little bit more information uh, about that case and what the most recent occurrence is in last week's articles of news we had Nate Eden from East Idaho News he kind of catches oh, been, us up and he's been, yeah, he's been doing good work yeah phenomenal stuff uh, the thing that probably is maybe the the greatest thing of news that I saw within the church in the last week is that there are going to be some temples that are going to be opening up. And this is for live endowments, uh, live no. ceilings. Live ceilings. Well, what I understand is that it's li only live. So like uh, I couldn't go for someone who it, it has passed no, on. But if, right, I wanna get, if I want to get my endowments out or if I want to get sealed. That, that that's what it's opened up for. Do you understand? From my understanding, I was looking looking at it actually today, and I think at this point it's only for live um, marriages. Oh, you're right. You're right. Phase has two to be, is living yeah, ordinances. selected temples for members who, who have been previously endowed, which makes sense because an endowment process, even if it's only a few people, involves a lot more contact. Yeah, interesting. So, And that'll start yeah. uh, on the 11th of May. Mostly it's like uh, most of the uh, Utah temples a couple in Idaho, and then one like in one in like Germany or something like that. But right? it's not even all the all the Utah temples. It's it's a, it's a small number overall. And one interesting thing is the email that I got about it made me think. Oh, one, I wonder if this is sealing people who are already civilly married because hmm. this made it sound like it was just sealings. But if you go to the newsroom, it makes it pretty clear that it's brides and grooms and marriages, and so it's actually getting married and sealed so not just so sealed. i found the complete list and this is what opens up today as this episode releases it's boise idaho bountiful utah brigham city utah cedar city utah frankfurt and freiburg germany way to go germany getting your temples cool. reopened uh, idaho falls logan utah manta utah monticello ogden ochre mountain payson provo city center and provo utah temple the Stockholm Sweden Temple and the Twin Falls Idaho Temple. So okay, I yeah, I, that makes sense. There's a couple in Europe. Then I was thinking, yeah. So, so we have Germany and Sweden. That's good. Uh, what other news yeah. stuff sort of stuck out to you? Uh, the only other really big one I just goes to the the COVID stuff, and uh, I didn't realize just that, that the first presidency had actually like approved. I think it was like 110 projects around the world. 
mm. for like relief societies and um, and wards to be doing. And one of them is called Project Protect. So that's one, that one's here in Utah. You can actually find it at projectprotect.health. I actually was like, is that actually a URL? It is. And then you can sign up and you pick up a kit and you can take it home and you make the masks and then they did they disinfect them and then distribute them where they're needed. And so there's similar projects and, and whatnot throughout the world. That one's specifically in Utah, but really kind of cool. Yeah. How much is, and as of as of this recording, there are more than two million masks made and with, with a goal of like five million, I think, overall. Yep. And I know among the, the ladies of the Relief Society in my ward. Uh, there was someone who posted on the Ward Facebook page that's like, hey, will someone let me know when the next week's sign up is? I tried to get in yeah. last week and it was too late <laughs> and I want to make some masks. I want to help. And I'm have you got a website, right? Like I'm looking at it right now and there's a little note in purple. It says we will have new volunteer slots every week. So yeah. check back if, the, if yeah. they're full right now. So that's great that people are wanting to step up and help and it, do something useful and you know productive rather than just sit on the couch and feel miserable and eat junk. So. Yeah, yeah. Not I mean, that not, I would know anything yeah. about that. <laughs> I'm I'm up eleven, so no worries, no no judgment. You know what? Well, I I'm actually down one. Good for you. I don't know how that happened. Maybe I'm just feeling this. I don't know. I've been nauseated. Not I'm not. I'm not. I don't have COVID. I promise. But yeah. I, I get chronic migraines and nausea is part of that. So. Oh. Well, I'm sorry anyway, to hear that. So every so often, but I've had way too much ice cream lately, so that needs to stop. There anyway. is not <laughs> such a thing as way too much ice cream, but I will I'll let you have that excuse, but I just know that I don't believe you. Well, you know, the problem, if I hear your voice in my head, then I'll never stop eating it because <laughs> I, I love it too much. <laughs> what's, your flavor, what's your flavor of choice? Uh, lately, it's been the Tillamook Rocky Road. Oh, yeah. That's a good Rocky yeah. Road if you're going to go for it. It is. Today, I'm rocking an extreme Denali Moose Tracks. And I'm about three quarters of the way through that thing, which I should not. Be. That's excellent. Uh, the church Good announced stuff. that there is a new volume of the Joseph Smith papers. Oh, um, that's right. And the headline, it says that the volume features imposters, plural marriage and poetry. Which I think, I mean, if you're going to do a headline, let's do it. That, that, that's a good <laughs> with one. Those yeah, because it's about Bennett, right? The, yeah. He was excommunicated. Yeah. If you don't know about him, apparently this is... Uh, volume 10, it goes May through August of 1842, the huge undertaking uh, that the church is doing to try and publish all of the uh, documents from the time of Joseph Smith. Just fascinating. If anyone mm -hmm. is looking to get me something for Christmas, uh, you can get any one of those books as I don't have any of them. Not that people will do that and not that I, <laughs> not that I want them to. Just saying. If you're already doing Christmas shopping because you know when you never know if the store is going to be open or closed, think about it. It's John C. Bennett, an interesting character in early church history that I don't think we talk too much about. And apparently in this volume, you get all up in. Also, it talks about the extermination order with Luber and W. Boggs. So that's part of it as well. Volume 10. And I don't even know. I mean, if we're only up to 1842, we've still got, you know, two more years of Joseph Smith. I wonder how many more volumes. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, the uh, Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square has a new album that comes out in a couple of weeks. So hopefully we can get uh, the guys from the choir back on the cultural hall to talk about that. But the reason why most recently that we were drawn attention to that is because one of the tracks on that new album is The Duel of the Fates. Yes, uh, isn't from, that awesome? <laughs> from Star Wars. So cool. If you don't know, here's the thing. You're like, Duel of the Fates? I don't know what that is. If you go to the culturalhall.com in association with this episode, you'll find a link. You'll get about two beats into the song and you'll be like, oh, yeah, of, oh, course, yeah, of course, this song. Well, and my husband shared it with our little, our little family group text on um, on Star Wars Day, you know, March, you know, May 4th. 
And as soon as I saw even the headline, I could actually hear in my head, oh, I wonder if it's that one. And I played it and sure enough, that was it. So if you're thinking you might know what it is, you probably do. Yeah. It's yeah. It's really cool. And it's just awesome. Uh, but they've that, had to they've had to cancel or postpone their summer um, European tour. It's supposed to be a tour that would go through the major countries in Europe where the original founding members of the Tabernacle Choir came from. So oh. Denmark and Wales and Scotland and all that. Yeah, so and we, they've had to postpone it. So we mentioned, we mentioned the locations and the dates next week, but I didn't realize that that was the connection to... Yeah. Um, why they were going to those places. Those were the original founding members. That's, that's that's unfortunate, but great that they were able to reschedule and be able to go to it next year. Hopefully, yeah. Well, yeah, it's this hope. Crossing yeah. fingers, right? Yeah. Uh, and then the last story that I have, and I know that we mentioned this story when it originally came about the Logan, Utah Temple, a man pleaded guilty to burglary and criminal mischief after authorities said that he vandalized a Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints temple caused over $5,000 in damage. He pled guilty uh, mm-hmm. to a second-degree felony. He broke into the Logan Temple on Christmas Eve, is responsible for broken glass, a discharged fire extinguisher, and an axe in a wall. He told the officers, this, is, this was both sad and mildly humorous. And telling. <laughs> yeah, and telling, perhaps. <laughs> He said he told the officers that he was upset that he could not see his children during the holiday. So obviously some domestic stuff going on, but also that no church women wanted to date him, according to the Logan Police Department. So Ambrose was. Yeah, found he, that's a head scratcher. Yeah, I'm sure the woman will come out in force now. Yeah, yeah. no. Well, and it, I was actually surprised it took so long. Though. I mean, granted, it's, I, December feels like it's been 10 years away, but that was a, that was a, what, five months ago. So well, I'm surprised it took this long. Court system has been a little slow. But then yeah. the final the final thing, and this is where, you know, I feel sort of bad making a joke about it. But, the, you know, the line is funny. But Ambrose was found incompetent to proceed in his case and sent to the mm. Utah State Hospital for rehab. So, oh, I didn't know that. Part. Yeah, so there's wow. so there's another element of it there. But. As you point out, I don't think breaking into the temple makes the women line up. Not exactly. No. Here, he's a he's wielding an axe. Yeah. <laughs> Date me. No, get, no, no. I mean, a good flannel, a good flannel, uh, a <laughs> nice sharp axe. Context is everything, yeah. right? An axe could be awesome. Yeah. It could be quite yeah. the turn on Listen. in a different context. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Do you have any other news articles that we should get to? Nope. That was it this time around. Like you said, kind of a quick week. Well, I appreciate you coming in and dropping and doing these articles of news still to come in this episode. We will visit with Paul Perrin. He has been here in the Cultural Hall before. He is an epidemiologist and doctor from the University of Notre Dame. He's going to drop us a little bit of knowledge about this pandemic and other pandemics in the past. Uh, We'll also visit with Kurt Frankum from Leading Saints talking about that email we got a couple weeks ago from the church about how we shall proceed. And then this episode will wrap up with our 20-minute scriptorian. Hey, Annette, wash your hands. Will do. You too. Hey, this is Dan, the Laptop Man from PC Laptops. I know we're going through a lot right now. Many states are quarantining people to their homes so that they have to work remotely. One of the things that's really important is to have a computer that's functioning correctly. One with a good webcam, one that's fast so you can be productive, one that has a good quality screen because you're going to be on this all day remotely. Computer supply has been strained because manufacturing has almost stopped. At PC Laptops, we've secured a limited quantity of laptop and desktop computers that are backed with a lifetime service guarantee. They're available for you right now in limited quantity. The great thing about PC Laptops is this. Once you buy your new computer, 
If you have any problems or questions, we're here to take care of you. Also, to make it really easy right now, we've arranged with some banks to offer 12 months special financing. Get into PC Laptops right now, because at PC Laptops, we're here for you and we're in this together. PCLaptops.com. All right, so we're visiting now with uh, Paul Perrin, Dr. Paul Clayton Perrin from episode 243. That's a whole episode about him. So if you like what he adds to the show in the next about 10 or 12 minutes or so, go back and listen to all that. You can hear kind of his backstory and how he and I know each other. Uh, The reason why you're here, Paul, you posted a thing on social media and I went, wow, someone posting something actually positive? Let's get him in the cultural hall to talk about it. So I now turn the time over to you, sir. Okay. Well, my background is actually in global health and One of the things that I've been doing is in recent years uh, in my career, I I work as a university professor at Notre Dame, is looking at pandemics and global health. And so we've been... So so as much as you're probably like, oh, this is horrible, you're also probably like a case study that I can work on with my hands on. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I've had enough of those, actually. I mean, we've been working with malaria. We've been working with HIV. We've been working with Ebola. And so, at, you know, once you've seen one pandemic, you kind of get your fill. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the amount of human suffering, the amount of economic trauma that these things cause is, is not something that I, I would, I'd have to be sadistic to rejoice in this. Nevertheless, it is kind of something that I've spent my career working on. So, so, so what are lessons, what are lessons to be learned? What, what's a, a way that maybe we can look at the pandemic that we haven't before? Well, one of the things that a lot of people have been asking me is, are we just overreacting to this? Mm-hmm. A couple of Sundays ago, we were doing our home church as we were supposed to be doing. And my youngest kid let out a blood curdling scream. And we were like, "Uh oh, what just happened? Did he see a snake? What's going on? And he was screaming because it was an ant. Um, <laughs> and we thought, okay, we need to work on his confidence level, A. But B, a lot of the questions that I've been getting from people really lead me to believe that some people think, are we screaming at an ant here or is this an actual snake? And so one thing that I've been reading about quite a bit lately, the Centers for Disease Control is mindful that not every disease is created the same. And they've actually developed a way of thinking about pandemics so that you can discuss them relatively with other pandemics and know whether you're screaming at ants or you're, if you're actually screaming at a snake. And the way that they look at it, there are a couple of factors. One is something called transmissibility. How easily is the disease transmitted from usually from person to person? And so some of the diseases that we work with, like malaria, that's not something that's directly transmitted from person to person. It's indirectly transmitted through mosquitoes. Another thing that they look at is the the severity of the disease, the clinical severity. So how fatal is it once you've caught it? What are the seriousness of the symptoms? What is the impact on quality of life? Those kinds of things. And so when you look across the board, COVID-19 really is actually a snake. It's not just an ant. At the beginning, I was kind of thinking it was an ant. But as we've gotten more information about it, it's clear that this is actually something to be taken seriously. So when you say taken seriously, I mean, you take into consideration, obviously, the loss of life or damage to health, but also you, within your studies, are also looking at economic impact and the things that the economy uh, being where it is right now and where it could potentially be also as like a loss for life and impact on life and all uh, and all of that, correct? Exactly. And the World Health Organization, they took the CDC's their pandemic severity scale, and they added the impact piece to it. 
so that you incorporate this idea of economic impact. So one of the things I always teach my students, and I think we're really, really seeing this in very real ways as we live through this pandemic, is that there is never a perfect answer for things like this. There are only trade-offs. And so the trade-off that we're being asked to make, and, and another really wise person, I can't even remember where I read this, but someone said it's not so much in life uh, what you want and what you desire, it's what you're willing to put up with. And so the question we need to ask ourselves is what are we willing to suffer through? Because there's no perfect answer here, it's pick your poison. The decisions that have been made as far as closing states have been made to protect human life and try to minimize the spread of the disease. And there are very valid reasons for that. But that has led to some really serious adverse impacts for a lot of people. We're seeing unprecedented unemployment in this country that we've never seen before. And so for those people, the, the danger of unemployment and economic downfall is clear and present and asking them to maybe mitigate something that might end up happening to them is is a tall order. And I, and I think a lot of epidemiologists, they, they focus purely on the transmission piece, which I understand because I'm an epidemiologist. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you ignore the economic impact, those have health implications as well. Sure. And they talk about things like suicide, talk about things like just poor mental health in general, if it doesn't even lead towards suicide, a domestic abuse, physical abuse, all those kind of things. Yeah, some of my colleagues are actually doing research right now on the domestic abuse piece and seeing real increases in, in domestic abuse. As people lose their jobs and they're stuck at home together, um, it, it causes a lot of stress and anxiety. And it's, oftentimes it's unfortunately taken out on the more vulnerable members of a household. So that's the poison. I mean, it, there's no perfect answer. And I think a lot of people are politicizing this and, and they're saying, you can't trounce my individual freedom. But there are trade-offs, and the trade-offs are between economic well-being and, and public health here. The trade-offs are between individual freedom and collective good here. When people are asked to wear face masks and they're protesting it as a breach of individual rights, they're not wrong. But also at the same time, there's a counter-argument to be made that not wearing a face mask is, is a breach on my individual health and well-being if you have the virus and you don't know it. Is there hope? Do you have a message of hope in all this? <laughs> a message of, of clarity, of end of the road, of things we've learned from other times that have maybe been like this or of uh, let's just hold steady? What, I mean, what do you take away from? What are you telling your kids? What are you telling yourself or your spouse? What I've learned after doing this for a long time now with lots of different diseases that are really equally distressing to people who, who are dealing with these issues is that humans are very adaptable. We know that viruses are. They adapt, they, they sometimes become more severe, and this is what has happened here. But humans are adaptable too, and we learn how to adjust our behavior, our attitudes, our knowledge to address some of these issues that are really threatening our well-being. And I'm confident that if we really take the time to understand what's happening, what's causing this, and, and what we can do to contribute not only to the collective good, but to our individual well-being, uh, that will adjust. And, and I don't think things will look the same. I think things will change. There'll be some differences in how we structure our societies and how we interact with one another, I think. Uh, but that isn't necessarily a bad thing if it leads to a better way of coexisting with this disease. Let me ask you, what song do you sing when you wash your hands? What song do I sing when I wash my hands? Yeah. I 
that is not something I've ever thought about. Do I should I be singing a song? I mean, is that's that what, that, that's me? what the internet would tell me. The internet. Well, yeah, it, it, it it's they're getting at the length of time that you should be washing your hands. Yeah. So if you pick a song that is of a certain time, then you know you're actually washing your hands for the appropriate amount of time. See, this is where the the scientist in me and the the human being in me sometimes need to meet halfway. <laughs> Well, I, uh, um, I, I found myself actually singing all the time with just to, as a way of keeping myself mentally sane as I've been cooped up at home now for, for about six weeks. How's it been for the family with you and the family? Well, we very near, I was actually overseas when everything started to fall apart. I was, my wife had accompanied me on this trip. We were in Morocco and we just, we Barely, we were on the last flight out of the country. I very nearly got stranded. And so it started with a bang for us. Yeah. And it started with profound gratitude that we actually were together. And so it, that was for us a little bit different because we very, very nearly could have been stuck apart for weeks, if not months. I still get letters from the embassy saying, okay, we've got an emergency evacuation coming here. Go to the airport. And so it started with gratitude to be together. And I think that helped shape for us being a positive experience rather than resenting being together. We were really, really grateful that we ended up in the circumstances. And it was a very, I, that's another story for another day. Yeah. It was a, a long, convoluted, very scary, very stressful process to get home. But at the end of the day, we were thrilled. And um, it's also allowed us to more closely examine some of our, the way that we exist in this world and the way we exist as a family. And I think that's been very helpful. Uh, I'm going to recommend this to you since you didn't have one off the top of your head. If you go from the top of Hit Me Baby one more time, yep. uh, you can get almost to the chorus before it's been 20 seconds. So if you give yourself, if you do the musical kind of interlude with your mouth, oh, baby, baby, you'll get to 20 seconds right about the time you get to the chorus. Great way to go. Great song for hand washing. Thank you. We've been singing, to answer your larger question, we've been singing Hades Town recently. That's what we've been Ah, uh, singing. So that's you'll hear that across the various levels of our house as we try to keep sane. Stay safe. Uh, we'll check back in with you a few months down the road as to what you're seeing as we come out on this side of the pandemic. And make sure that you you don't let your kids, your students slide. You don't let those those students out there at Notre Dame. You you make sure that they fulfill every single responsibility because you know what they have to. They're paying for it. You're just you're just trying to. <laughs> You're just trying to keep them at their, that level, that expectation, that Notre Dame pride. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's been a big adjustment. Uh, everyone <laughs> is trying to make do with what happened in the middle of the semester. So I can't even imagine. Be safe, my friend. Thank you. You too. As any good leader will tell you, uh, you can do things for yourself, but you can also delegate things to other people. And that is what I do with Kurt Frankum from Leading Saints. See, you get the little leadership thing, the little correlation there. <laughs> that, was, that was clever. When that was clever. Whenever there is something that comes out from the church and I look at it and my eyes start to gloss over, I message Kurt on, on uh, Facebook or I go to leadingsaints.org and I, and I tell him, hey, I need a little time, Curtis. Not actually his name. Can you come on and explain it? So we got an email talking about the new guidelines for the church. I turn the time to you, Brother Frankham. Well, thank you, Richie. And I feel like I'm like your attorney that you call in to read all the legal jargon. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you want to know you want to know a true uh, anecdote, real quick. Let's hear it. So when I bought uh, the homesteadman, which is where I live right now, 
Uh, I am infamous in the title office for being the quickest signing ever at a at a, at a, like a, you know a mortgage signing or whatever that thing is even called. I went yeah. in. My brother, who is a realtor, was there. His uh, mortgage guy, Mike, is his name. Uh, he, he was there as well. I came in. I said, "Is this is this good? Does everyone feel good about this?" And they said, <laughs> "Yes." And then, as quick as I possibly could, I signed every single document, and I was like, "Keys, thank you, goodbye." And it will be forever infamous as being the quickest signing of a mortgage ever. Did Did they give you the Martinelli's sparkling cider or uh, some gift? Of course, and a <laughs> candle warmer. Oh, of course. Yeah, which I regifted. Nice. Well, uh, I'm sure there's a variety of uh, scam artists who like to speak to you about some land they have for sale in Florida. Do you, do you feel good about it? If you I do. Feel, if you feel good about it, Kurt, I will follow you. I do feel good about it because you know what happened, Richie, is huh. on April 17th. Perfect. The, uh, <laughs> nice segue. You like that? Hey, yes. I've been in the biz for a while yeah. now here. You okay, jam that right in. It. Let's get to it. <laughs> So the first presidency uh, uh, provides guidance on how to administer the church in challenging times because, Richie, these are challenging times. Do you find them challenging for you? You you can tell by the length of my hair. Yeah, but no beard. I'm sort of disappointed you don't have a beard. Well, I had one going for a while, but uh, just couldn't. Just couldn't stomach it, you know. I mean, you you could have done this quarantine uh, super simple, but you and your wife decided to have a baby as part of this as well. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, nine months ago, we did not think that uh, <laughs> certain actions would lead to a uh, a birth where every individual we dealt with in the hospital we've never seen their face. Uh-huh, they all uh-huh. had masks on, but nonetheless, my daughter did not come out with a mask on. Um, she came out with nothing on, yeah. just as is tradition. Just and, a little uh, umbilical cord. That's right. On April 22nd, we welcomed a sweet little girl in into the world, and uh, we got that baby out of there and got out of the hospital as quickly as we could. How is baby COVID? Um, <laughs> could I... <laughs> Now, I got to clarify with you. We kind of had this exchange via text. You said, how's baby COVID? Uh-huh. And I said, oh, Pam-demic yes. is doing great. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, Pam. And I'm like, I read it to my wife and I'm like, I don't know if Richie thinks I'm kidding. Yeah, No, I didn't think you were kidding. And here's the deal, because I had made the joke with the name. I didn't read it out loud and go, oh, pandemic, that's funny. Right. Kurt's being right. funny. <laughs> but you can't, I made I made a really poor choice. By the way, we're going to get to the guidelines from the church oh, in yeah. a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, hang really on. Important. Just hang on, everybody. Trying times. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I hadn't read it out loud, but years ago I found out you can't make fun of baby names. Or you get in a lot of trouble. <laughs> right, right. So I was like, Demic, that's beautiful. Where does that come from? Is yeah. that like, is that a, a familial name? And you're like, idiot, it's Pam Demic. <laughs> yeah, that, we had a good laugh at good. your expense, Richie, but uh, it was great because it's true. Like, Demic, that sounds like a very Utah sort of name. Yeah, and right? you spelled so, it like a Utah name as I know. well. So I had I was a like, Y okay. in there and everything. Yeah. yeah. No, her name is Mariah. That's uh-huh. pretty, and it's spelled just as you as expected. No. G's or Y's or number fives. Just like just, the, just like the song, right? Uh, yeah. How do you Mariah. solve a problem like Mariah? <laughs> <laughs> is this uh, is that the song from Paint Your Wagon? No, it's the song I, from Sound of Music. Or or oh. or let's make an or let's no that's what is that one? Sarai, what is the song from Paint Your Wagon? It, it, somebody just sent me a recommended it. It's something like the the wind. Oh yeah, yeah, is yeah, yeah. Named Mariah. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. The wind is named Mariah. Yeah, that is a song. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no, that's not. I was going Sound of Music, and 
a bad pun on Maria or from West Side Story. Mariah, I just named a girl. Anyway. I'd be lying if I haven't uh, sung that song many times to my sweet little girl. Oh, yeah, yeah we, Aww. we've had moments, Richie. So what? What are you teaching your sweet little girl about the guidelines that came out on April seventeenth from the church? Well, I'm glad you asked, Richie, because um, <laughs> basically these guidelines came out, and you know, there's nothing like sh- shocking to them. It's mainly like, all right, everybody, behave out there. You know, don't get crazy with the sacrament at home, even though I'm sure some people have, but. Um, Basically, they sent out two documents. The first one, kind of a, a letter from the first presidency, uh, says directions are enclosed for essential ordinances, blessings, and other church functions to guide leaders through the current crisis and the challenging days that are that are ahead. Uh, this document, uh, these documents are issued in response to the disruption, the church procedures, and member activities, yada yada. So, um, and then it goes through uh, various, you know, obviously. You know, what do we do about blessings? What do we do about what patriarchal do we do? blessings? What do we do about patriarchal blessings? What do we do about baby blessings? Kurt, well, this it, is why I got you here. I know. This is why I've been studying all night for this interview. So with patriarchal blessings, obviously, uh, you know, there's no reason to rush into a, a patriarchal blessing unless you have a mission call mm. and you're going on a mission. Uh, you definitely, they recommend you do that. So I assume maybe they make an exception or they really gown up the 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 good old 90 year old patriarch. So sure. that he, um, is, is safe. Um, so if you're going on a mission, yeah, patriarchal blessings are happening, uh, but you're not, blessings, but you're not, but you're not going on a mission right now though. Missionaries aren't going out. Are they? Well, I have heard, I just through the rumor mail, which we call Twitter. Yeah. Um, somebody reported who serves in a state presidency that they are now re the reassignments are coming out. Oh, cool. And so, but obviously, you know, they're being reassigned within their, their domestic country, right? Cool. Yeah. Um, so that's happening, and but again, I don't know. It's like okay, rush out to Arkansas, and uh, yeah, we just need you to stay in that apartment yeah. for a while. Yeah. Thanks. Glad you're here. <laughs> Anyways, don't call. Yeah. Glad to have you. Cool. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I guess I, uh, the, this is coming with the assumption that uh, that uh, missions are happening. Okay. Um, also, uh, you know, I had some some. Q&A section here as far as uh, weddings and funerals. Can that happen in a meeting house? And They cannot it, happen? If it, Asking if it can happen. Uh, can Weddings it? and funerals. Uh, well, basically all the answers go to uh, just follow your local governmental you know, procedures okay, and okay. policies, right? So, um, so it does say that uh, uh, they, they should, should not be held in meeting houses as permitted by law. Uh, bishops and state presidents may officiate in weddings in an appropriate setting where social distancing can be maintained. Technology may be also be used to allow family and friends to view the services. So I attended my nephew's uh, wedding via Zoom last week, and it was cool. Beautiful. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I so, had nothing to do with it. But. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, really, you didn't kill the brother or sister that, you know, gave birth yeah, to the nephew. This is true. This yeah. is true. Um, then things like uh, temple recommend interviews, uh, they, they do allow that they should not be done in person, but they can be done through face-to-face technologies like we're doing. Like now. we're doing right now. Right. Um, and blood drives can actually still happen because they're short on blood and we need. Well, and we need as blood. I understand it, like American Red Cross will go to great lengths as far as that goes to make sure that if they do it at the church, that it's absolutely safe, all of those things. Uh, absolutely, yeah. They they don't mess around with that that type of thing. So. so so let me ask you this: You sort of breezed past it, but one of the most interesting things that I've thought uh, from this there's two. One, the weird ways in which we tried to adapt uh, the sacrament, mm-hmm. like um, I know 
I heard about uh, like a ward you would have a, a priesthood uh, member or not a priesthood member sort of set out the cup of bread and the or I'm sorry the cup of bread geez the slice of bread or piece of bread and the cup of water and then everybody was in the zoom chat and then a, a priesthood holder um, blessed it via zoom I know there were people that were doing this now now here's the deal uh, let me you're sort of smirking a little bit I think that it's I think it's the greatest of intentions and I don't think that God is like hey idiots thanks for trying to do this and doing this in the wrong way so that's not that's not my right that's not my point but it is interesting to see how we've adapted so like you know they got I heard in one word they got everybody on a zoom call and they did just like a virtual meeting where out loud, you know, the the, the priesthood uh, holder said the prayers on the uh, sacrament. And then because, you know, you essentially pass it t- to each other when you're in the uh, in the chapel, right? Someone distributes it to your row, but you essentially pass it to your your yourself or the next person or whatever. Uh, just took that and then was able to eat it. And since you didn't have to prepare it other than just getting the bread out of the the bread bag and putting water in the thing, that people did that. So I thought that was interesting. I heard a phone, um, you know, phone blessing the the sacrament, um, putting it on speaker. I've also heard of like a, a mass amount of like blessing the sacrament and then like leaving it on the porch and saying, hey, your sacrament has been blessed partake of it and enjoy this and all i think it's just fascinating because all is to you know give as many people the opportunity to renew their covenants but it is interesting that you know the the church finally said nah maybe not that yeah and and there was even an article uh, in the salt lake tribune about uh further restrictions that maybe some uh, area presidencies are making like so the area presidency for utah has sort of cut off the option of doing zoom Sunday schools or even, uh, you know, ward devotionals, mm-hmm. or even if they're not, you know, trying to facilitate an ordinance, um, that that's sort of been cut off, which is sort of unfortunate for, I, I don't know. It seems like a good way for a ward to maybe, uh, unite, but, uh, I'm sure they have their reasons and, and purposes for doing that. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just a different approach altogether and different feeling. And I don't know for you, Richie, I mean, is it feeling, I mean, the first couple of weeks was sort of like, uh, like, cool, you know, this is fun. And I got mm-hmm. to, you know, mm-hmm. further explain things to my kids and on we, we went and now it's sort of, I don't know, it's, it's, I hate to say it's becoming too routine or, you know, I try to have to be more intentional about my approach to it. Sure. Like the novelty of it is sort of worn off where it's like, Oh, we're doing this in home. You know, the thing for me, that I really think is the most fascinating about it is church will never be the same. We're going to talk about this in a future episode and it's actually going to be a panel episode. So I hope you'll be part of it, Kurt. This is an invitation. (laughs) Um, But how church is going to be different. I think that you're going to see because before you remember when I I think it was a singles ward or maybe it was whatever the one right after it was or God's army. uh, Everyone in the church sort of freaked out that they were filming an ordinance Mm-hmm. Even even though it wasn't the full ordinance or like having cameras in the chapel, there is no reason, absolutely no reason, especially after all this and the technology that people have, the fact that we have major computers in our hands that apparently make phone calls, I just found out the other day, but these, these, these bits of technology, there's no reason that I should ever miss my sacrament meeting ever again. Right. Yeah. 
And I'm just uh, scrambling to find a quote here that, uh, that president Nelson said, um, he said, Oh, I've got it down here. This is, this is worth the, sc- the scroll here. Listen, listen, um, I will take every bit of this scroll. Cause I know you just hate to, uh, edit these things, Richie. You so. know what? The wife does it and she actually really loves it. If you've noticed an increase of quality here in the cultural hall in the last couple of weeks, <laughs> it is because my wife has jumped in and said, I'm going to edit these please. And thank you. Nice. All right, Richie. So uh, that, that makes me think of a, um, and maybe we can reference this when we do that panel uh, discussion, but President Nelson said this comes from, it came from a, a training with 70s, but they reference it in Sherry Dew's recent book about President Nelson. He said, uh, President Nelson said, one question we've wrestled with is how to take the gospel in its simplest purity and the ordinances with their eternal efficacy to all of God's children without having basketball hoops get in the way. Hmm. We are accustomed to, to a church that is supported at home, but accomplished in the chapels. We need a complete turnaround where we have a home-centered church support, supported by what takes place in uh, by what takes place inside our buildings. The only buildings that are absolutely essential are temples. Stake centers and chapels are a luxury. This imbalance is on our our worry list, high on the list. One Muslim man said it this way. When your Christianity is simple enough that I can take it in on the back of a camel, I will be interested. Faith, repentance, baptism, the endowment, and the sealing ordinances are essential. Everything you'll see happening in the church from this point forward will be in that direction. Yeah. So I, I find that interesting because we're sort of doing, sort of, we have this opportunity sort of to do this trial run of, you know, what does church look like where the home is truly the the, the highlight that, you know, that the church is simply as, as president Lee put it, the, the, um, scaffolding, the yeah. church is a scaffolding to the church, which really resides in the home. And so, uh, yeah, I think this is an opportunity to maybe pivot to reconsider even further, just as we're doing, um, uh, you know, that the way things, ordinances are done and things like that. So it will be interesting. Well, I'm glad I didn't have to read the guidelines. Kurt Frankum from leading saints. It is leading saints.org, right? You nailed it. Nice. Uh, you do episodes. They come out every Saturday. Every Saturday uh, morning, roughly on a good good week. Uh, you know how they this this industry goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, when when I can, when I'm able yeah. to, sure. Mm-hmm. So people can find that at leadingsaints.org or subscribe to Leading Saints wherever they get the cultural hall. Kurt, I hear a little baby COVID crying in the background. You better run. That's right. <laughs> I'm out of here. So the ice is beginning to melt. No, no, I know it's summertime. Listen, the ice is beginning to melt on what is that frozen time that has been no events occurring uh, for Best DJ in Utah. That's what I'm talking about. You can go to bestdjinutah.com if you would like me, Richie T, to play the music at your wedding. Maybe you're doing a smaller service than you had ever thought before. Well, I can do that. You're doing a delayed graduation party. Can do that too. Maybe you just want to have someone play music. I mean, maybe just for you, right? Like I can come to your porch and play music. Basically, what I'm saying is I'm there for you for whatever you might need. Uh, you can get a quote for free at bestdjinutah.com. I get back to you super quick, and I would love to meet you in person and be able to entertain you with music. Being the best DJ in Utah. That's what I do. I do this podcast too. I feel like you already knew that. 
Simply go to bestdjinutah.com. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Taking this portion of the episode to be able to speak with the 20-minute scriptorian, uh, Lori Denning, we are only talking to you for 20 minutes, so I hope you have your stopwatch out. Thanks for being part of the Cultural Hall, Lori. Ah, thanks for having me, Richie. It's good to be here. Now, so for people who don't know about the 20-minute scriptorian, I just barely heard about this, so I apologize. Please accept uh, this this penance that I am paying by allowing you to come in and tell everyone about it. It's pretty awesome what you're doing. Ah, thanks. Yeah, so it it was kind of a brainchild of my longtime gospel doctrine class. So I had started teaching gospel doctrine when I was in a singles ward in Northern California, and that was a long, long, long time ago. <laughs> and so I've taught ever since. I am the longest standing calling holder in my ward, um, even outside the organist. So I am the uh, gospel doctrine teacher. And people said, Lori, can you record the class if I can't come? And I said, sure. So that's how it kind of started. And then nobody wants to hear me talk for an hour. So we <laughs> said, let's just do 20 minutes and call it a podcast. So that's kind of how the genesis of it started. That's not obviously the content, but that's the idea. So talk about what it is now. Obviously, it came from that, but from the ashes rose this great podcast that exists. <laughs> the ashes, yes, a phoenix-like rise. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, went back to school, actually. So I'm, I'm in my late 40s, actually, and I went back to school, and I went back for uh, Bible and theology. So I am attending currently Multnomah, or uh, just finishing Multnomah, which is an ev- evangelical Bible university talk about that. And then I'm now at Gonzaga, so home of the Jesuits. So in that, I learn a lot about context, biblical languages, just a different way to look at the scriptures. And so that started to seep into the way I taught. And, and that's where the 20 script, 20 minute scriptorium was born saying, let's take some happy medium between the super scholarly boring and the super <laughs> inspirational. <laughs> I, you know, it's not quite fluffy and it's not quite scholarly. It's it's just for the you and me. It says, man, I wish somebody would explain what they meant by those weird words in Hebrew and, and things like that. So uh, a couple things. Like, let's take a look at an episode. Are you like, today we're doing uh, First Nephi chapter 1, and that's what people can anticipate? Mm-hmm. Or is it, today we're talking charity, the pure love of Christ, and that's the look at it? Uh, 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 good, good point. I'm actually following Come Follow Me. So I follow the Come Follow Me and I usually do two or three episodes a week. And the first time we hit a book, I do an episode called All About. So we would do All About Isaiah, All About Second Peter, All About Mosiah. And that's where we take a step back and really do who, what, where, the politics, the language it was written in, who they were writing to, so that when you get there, you kind of understand that. But, but Richie, more so the part I really love to do is more literary criticism and not the scary literary criticism, like you're making it up, the mm-hmm. fun part of literary criticism, meaning this is a book and it has a beginning, a middle, an end. It has a plot. It has characters. And maybe we should see how it was written. So mm. who was, how did Mormon structure Mosiah? Why did he pick those speeches? 
And then when you get to them, it makes a little more sense. I love it. And you do it all within 20 minutes, which is great for someone like me because I go, all right, I got other stuff to do. Sorry, Lori. You get 20 minutes of my time and then on to another project or on to another thing. That is unreal. Well, sometimes I might go over a little bit. When we got to Isaiah, I think I did eight episodes just to cover Isaiah and the Book of Mormon. Um, and we only got to, I think, Isaiah six. So I guess I'm a little chatty. But yeah, 20 minutes. Here's the thought on that. Um I don't know about you. I I don't have a attention span more than about 20 minutes. And it's a commute if you're in your car or you're taking your kids to school or washing the dishes or something. So I figure anybody can take 20 minutes and listen um, without getting too caught up. And if it was longer than that, that's a big commitment. I got to block out an hour, but 20 minutes, I can probably throw that together. So that was kind of my genesis there. If you if I can take 20 minutes to commute, do the laundry, I can probably get my come follow me study in. And just so everyone knows, we're counting this down. We only have 15 and a half minutes left with Lori, oh. the 20 minute scriptorian. I want to ask you, what is what is that experience like, uh, you know, studying religion at an evangelical and now with the Jesuits at Gonzaga? You're a Mormon girl. Yeah, you know, I don't talk about it as much in the, uh, in the podcast since we tend to do scriptures. But Richie, it's a really good question. It has been... A little bit scary when I signed up to go to uh, the evangelical school. Um, first, they didn't, you know, you don't start with, hey, I'm from a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, right? And then here's my resume. You, you say, I want to sign up and pay you a bunch of money to come to school. And they're like, welcome. Yeah. And then they had me sign what was called a doctrinal statement. Ooh, what's and that? that is like, yeah, yeah. It's like the articles of faith for that school. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to sign that. Like it, it, I would say 90% is what we believe, but it may have things like the Trinity uh-huh. or uh, something like that. No other scripture but the Bible. And so I said, hey, I, I'm uh, practicing Latter-day Saint. And then the tone changed. It was like, oh, oh I, I better call the dean. <laughs> so, um, But it has been actually, Gonzaga's different. Gonzaga's, we welcome everyone, mm-hmm. um, come one, come all. But uh, the, the Bible school is a little bit different. And, and I don't know if you know this, Richie, but the evangelicals and the uh, LDS culture have not always gone along. Now, wait, now, wait, and, now, just wait, just yeah. a, now, is that true? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. And they've told me that, no, you know we don't get along, right? Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. Um, in fact, they, the dean called me after, oh, my first semester, I was doing biblical Hebrew and some of those classes. And uh, my goal was to be the valedictorian. I want to be the the most um, excellent student so that they have that reputation from the church. Uh-huh. And he called and said, hey, we, we've gotten some letters that uh, this is the devil inter- having you come to our school. Literally, that oh. we're worried that this is the, the floodgates have opened. The, um, the camel's but, nose, but, as it were, has yeah. <laughs> made its way into our evangelical tent. Yeah, and you're like, oh, no. But here's here's the rub. It has been the opposite. Um, the students, the professors um, have been so welcoming. Uh, I, I don't bring it up in most of the classes. Uh, we did in one class called American Evangelical Christianity. But in the others, I just am a regular student and I just make my same comments like anybody else. Mm-hmm. But um, let me tell you a couple of things that are really different that I think are, are would be fascinating for everybody listening. In, in, uh, and the first is that... Um, they use the name Jesus all day. And we, you, you wouldn't even realize this, we say the Savior or Christ or the Lord. We, we keep a little more, and I don't know if it's respectful, and they're very uh, personal. There's a very personal relationship with uh-huh. Christ. So that threw me off uh, when I first got there. And, you, and they say it kind of Jesus. So you got to have a little, 
yeah, a little yeah, southern a little, accent. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, a little shoulder, a little Jesus. Jesus. And, and so now I find that I'm like, hey, you get a little slur at the end, Jesus. So it's, <laughs> So that threw me off at the beginning. I was like, why are they, why are they saying his name so much? I feel uncomfortable. Um, and then the other is, it's, it's very unique growing up in the church. I grew up in Southern California, served a mission in Spain. I live in uh, Utah now. So I'm, I've been around a little bit in the, in the LDS culture, but there, here we're all kind of the same. Even though we're all kind of the same, we read the same lesson manual, we use the same words. And, and in evangelical Christianity, they see themselves as more a confederate of denominations. Hmm. So all the Protestant denominations, they're all good. So you could be Baptist, you could be the Congregational Church down the street, you could be Assembly of God, Pentecostal, all good, Richie, all good. Even though they're practicing completely different beliefs, say in baptism Hmm. or the sacrament, Hmm. uh, those ordinances are seen very differently. The idea is it's like you're a family. And you got the crazy cousin, and you got aunt so and so, and you got brother whatever, and but we're all the same. Yeah. But but there are outsiders, and so Latter Day Saints, um, Jehovah's Witnesses, Catholics, you're on the outside. Are, are we? Are we? We're not questioning. Yeah. Are we the drunk yeah. uncle in that, or where do we fit in? I I, I think we're the crazy cousin that okay. you don't talk about. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I just want to make sure I, so, the, the analogy. Yeah, yeah. I just want to identify yeah. where we're at. Okay. Uh, probably the probably the one writing from prison that we don't really want to admit. They're, uh, they don't yeah. they don't really have anything to do with us. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He, so, ju- he, ju- so, he just made some choices, and well, I mean, we don't we don't we we're don't not, talk about yeah, it. we don't talk about that guy. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm sorry you mentioned him at all. <laughs> so that's kind of how they they see it. But um, education wise, it's different. You know, when you go to institute and seminary and things growing up, um, it's very just the scriptures, and mm-hmm. you just kind of go through the scriptures one by one. And in university, you tackle it much more like uh, any class. So you read a lot of other books about what it says. You write a lot of essays and uh, a lot of philosophies of men mingled with scripture. So sure. there's a lot of ideas in there. <laughs> That's fascinating. So so as you have had that experience, I'm sure that there are people, as you said, not only the school with that doctrinal, what is it, what is it called? The doctrinal, doctrinal manifest? Doctrinal statement. Doctrinal yeah, statement. Doctrinal statement. Uh, not, yeah. o- not only with that, but others that would be like, this This really is a uh, wolf in sheep's clothing. Like, have you had mm-hmm. people on the other side just be like, we are so grateful to have had you here and, 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 and put mm-hmm. arms around you and welcome you in that way? Yeah, I, I think I would say 90, 95% have been very welcoming, asking a lot of good questions. I've had some students reach out separately and say, hey, Lori, I've never, I've known some other LDS people, they say it, but, um, and they're very nice and kind, but I didn't know that you guys believed in the Bible so much. Mm. Um, it's clear that you, you love Jesus. And, um, and so they, they reach out, they find a common bridge, um, very devout, pious people, mm-hmm. very sincere, very scholarly. Um, my impression was that the evangelicals were a little less, you know, into like they're the ones that are very much, you know, creationism and uh, no Darwinism, things like that. And so I thought, oh, they're just not very scholarly. Uh, that's not true at all. Uh, yeah. That's kind of a stereotype. So they they've been very welcoming. And and here here's another thing. Here's another thing that's very different than I think than we do. Um, that we that I think we would find interesting. They attack the uncomfortable questions every week. 
Really? So really? I think we, yeah, yeah. I think culturally we kind of go, oh, you know, polygamy or. Yeah, no, oh, we I don't. don't we don't do that metal. in our church at all. We go, what mountain? No, huh? What salamander letters? Mountain. Let's mm. let's not talk no. about that. What? No. Ooh, no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then and then the other every week it would be like discuss why. Here's here's an example. Discuss why a pharaoh in the Exodus story, um, the Lord hardens his heart. Why, if the Lord is just and kind and loving, why is he hardening Pharaoh's heart? Because we know he's going to be destroyed in the end. It's like, how can you reconcile that with a just and kind God? Mm. And you're like, oh, I, oh, I got to think about that. <laughs> and so every week they'll go through that. Every week, if there are so many denominations, how can this be? the uh, authentic historical Christianity. And you're like, uh, uh, wow, tough. So, so that's been unique that they really take those tough theological or, or doctrinal questions and say, dig in, um, decide what you think about it, as opposed to, oh, I, I think we, you know, the book Saints and Saints 2 is kind of approaching that, but I think that's been a cultural change where they just, they jump right in with both feet. And sometimes the answer is, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why it says that. I got to think about that. But, but, but at that's least, another difference. But at least that we've addressed that there is a question as opposed to, I think, where we lose a lot of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is that they go, never been faced with that. I'm not sure. Ah, panic. And then, you know, mm-hmm. they remove themselves from it and can't figure it out. They have that cognitive dissonance and then they end up just leaving, feeling like they can't not have an answer and still say that this is the true church and they're out. Yeah, yeah. I think we've all seen that, uh, especially with this last, this last few 20 years, right? Yeah. Um, even with ourselves, I'm sure we have that at times, and we just, oh, I don't I don't want to admit that. I mean, nobody gets up at a fast and testimony meeting and says, you know, I'm really uncomfortable <laughs> by that idea of Pharaoh having <laughs> his heart hardened. Anybody had that question? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so I find that something that we could learn from. Um, mm. But uh, but I will say, I, I have to give some shout outs to some of the prophets because they have really helped me with some of my more difficult papers. I had to write a really challenging paper on salvation. Mm-hmm. And I may have had to quote from Abinadi pretty strongly. Nice. And uh, I, I, no one no one picked it up. <laughs> so I have, I have, I'm like, it's like I got a cheat sheet, right? You're like, hey, talk about atonement. And I'm like, well, let me, let me see what Second Nephi 9 says on yeah. that. And then. I'll just quote it and um, just put it in the footnotes, see if anybody you just notices. Cha- you so. change enough of the words that it's not plagiarism, but <laughs> otherwise you're like, and it came to pass. Ooh, that sounds good. And thus it happened. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. They yeah, won't find like, that. Yeah. They won't find that at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I have, I, I, I have felt like you have a whole different source guide um, to helping with those. And I have had people say, I've never heard it said like that, Lori. That's that's really awesome. And I'm like, thank you, Abinadi. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Under your breath, Abinadi. Uh, we only Abinadi. have we only have five minutes and forty seconds left with you, Lori oh. Denning, our twenty minute scriptorian. Let me ask you this: uh, You're not going to get a rich on a million dollars and plus by doing this going back mm-hmm. to school thing. Why did mm-hmm. you do this? You know, I think probably two things. I, uh, on a little more spiritual side, Richie, I was driving to work again. I'm kind of midlife. And, and I was saying, you know, what, what's the purpose of my life? Midlife crisis, maybe. Mm-hmm. And as I was driving to work one day, which is in operations, I don't do this uh, to get paid or anything. And I said, what am I here for? What am I really, what's my talent? What am I really blessed with? And, and besides sarcasm, I think my second <laughs> vote was, um, was really, yeah, it was really, you know, you're really good at scriptures. Mm-hmm. You're, you're uniquely good. And I, I say that with humility, right? You're, not, you're really yeah. good at scriptures. But 
um, you really got a scripture study and, and just really felt prompted to say, you know, come follow me, come, come share that. I was like, yeah. And that would, boy, that lit a fire. And I I do, I want to, I want to, that's what I want to do. I don't, I don't want to do operations and, and things. I, I want to do this. And, and so we did that very same day and, and just said, I'm going to jump in and, and do it. And it's just taken off from there. So I didn't know if anybody would even listen to the podcast, uh, 20 Minute Scriptorians. I didn't know if anybody would would find that approach appealing, except for my gospel doctrine class. He's kind of used to me. And come to find out, they, you know, I think there's been a little need for some happy medium between scholar and inspiration. Yeah, that's the thing that, for me, just anecdotally, like there are a lot of Come Follow Me programs, and some are just like, you're great! Today is great. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I am great. And I, I really, those, some of those folks are really good friends of mine. And that's great. And that suits a need. And then there, there are other people that are like, well, when you have the schwa over the T in thus, I'm just like, okay, I'm too stupid. I'm too stupid to gain access to this. But the, but yeah. what you do at 20 Minute Scriptorian is, is a great balance. Like you say, I, I'm talking faster because we have less time. Three and a half minutes. Okay. Uh, we have three questions that we oh. ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. I'll ask those mm-hmm. of you right now. The first question is, do you have a calling? And if so, what is it? A gospel doctrine teacher. And you've been having it for how long? I think I'm on year 17 in this ward. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Congratulations. That may be a church record. I'll find out. If you could pick a calling for yourself, either one that exists or make one up, what would you pick? Um, I would teach uh, biblical Hebrew to retired people. Okay. <laughs> why retired? Yeah. I mean, it's very why? specific. Sure. It's yes. very specific, but that's that's what I would do. I, I actually, and here's why, I uh, one of my assignments is I do, I had an assignment for three years at a retirement home in our stake, uh-huh. and um, the elderly and I have a lot in common. We're sassy. We have no filter. We appreciate short hair. And so we, um, so we just had a lot in common. And so I loved, loved, loved teaching them. Awesome. Okay. Now the last question, you may need to think about it a little bit, but don't take too mm-hmm. long because we have less time than we did before. Uh, the, the question is, and interpret it however you would like, but what is your favorite part of your faith? My favorite part of my faith, that is a deep question for a minute left. My favorite part of my faith is how it gives me purpose and meaning and some kind of hope that uh, all the struggles and trials of life are, there's some purpose to it all instead of just get up in the morning, go back to work and do it again tomorrow. Yeah, I like that. Tell people where they can find you, where they can listen, where they can participate. If there's a, a Patreon or a thing that you do to help pay for yep. all of this stuff, tell people where they can get that. Yeah, yeah, it's all free. I don't ask for any Patreon. This is my give back. So just join us and join the conversation. So you can find it at Lori Denning uh, or just the 20 number, the number 20 minute scriptorian on anywhere podcast. So iTunes, Google, Spotify, just type in either 20 minute scriptorian or Lori Denning, L-O-R-I-D-E-N-N-I-N-G, and it will pop right up. All right. Our time is done. It's the 20 minute scriptorian. Her name is Lori Denning. Check it out. It's so great. I love it. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Richie. We hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body and that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week and that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the cultural hall. Save me a seat. It's sure to be neat on the back row.